0: Welcome to So Dead, a podcast committed to creepy history. I'm Jen Carpenter.
1: And I'm Danny Fairman. Happy True Crime Tuesday.
0: And happy Taco
1: Tuesday, girls and boys. Today we're going to be talking about the Old Eaton County Courthouse, which is now a museum and an event venue. The Courthouse Square Museum is located in downtown Charlotte, Michigan a city about 20 miles southwest of Lansing. The courthouse was built in 1885 and has quite a haunting history. It served as the Eaton County Courthouse for 90 years until 1976. That's a long time. Yeah. On the same property was the sheriff's residence and women and children's jail, which now serves as office space and the men's jail, which has since been torn down. So a lot of heavy went on there. Court cases that changed lives, wrongful convictions, suicides in the jail. It's no wonder that the building is said to be haunted.
0: In a little bit, we'll be talking to Julie Kimmer, the museum's curator. But first, I want to tell you guys about just one of the heartbreaking trials that took place in the old courthouse. For accuracy's sake, the building that stands today is actually the second Eaton County Courthouse. The first courthouse was a one-room clapboard shack that was built in 1845 and was moved to a local park when the new courthouse was built. It is maintained as a historical landmark to this day. The story we're going to talk about took place in the first courthouse building, but on the same property where the second building stands today. Does that make sense? Mm Mm-hmm. So, I get it. okay, so this happened on the same land, but not in the same brick and mortar building, right? So, the first criminal case ever tried at the Eaton County Courthouse was the murder trial of Mary Brooks in 1856. Born Mary Bradley in 1832, her family was one of the wealthiest in the town of Calamo, which is just a little west of Charlotte. As a young girl, Mary fell in love with a boy by the name of David Stewart, and the two planned to marry. But Mary's family had other plans for her. They insisted that she marry a crabbed old farmer, as he was described in the papers. What's a crabbed old farmer? Like a crabby old guy. Oh. Gross. Why would your
1: parents want that for you? I'll tell (laughs) you.
0: Uh, his name was Simeon Brooks. The Brooks family was also very wealthy and a union between the Bradleys and the Brooks was highly desired by both families. Yeah. So the Bradleys were going to put forth their beautiful, most eligible bachelorette. Mm-hmm. And the best that they had to offer was apparently a crabbed old farmer. So not nice. very comparative there. He but probably
1: wouldn't have gotten the rose if it was the real bachelorette.
0: Exactly. So <laughs> the Bradleys forced their 18-year-old daughter to marry the much older man, even though she was already in love with someone else. Mary was heartbroken. Hmm. But soon she and Simeon had a child, a daughter that they named Edith, and Mary's love for her baby helped to mend her heart. But then, as it so often did in the 1800s, tragedy struck. Mary's little girl got sick and died in either late 1855 or early 1856. A few months later, Mary's husband Simeon fell ill and died as well. Following Simeon's burial, a neighbor contacted authorities and said that he believed Simeon had been poisoned. He said that he had purchased a bottle of arsenic, which was clearly labeled as poison, and that Mary had come to visit his house one day, and after she was gone, the bottle of poison was also gone, and soon after, Simeon Brooks was dead. Upon investigation, the empty bottle of arsenic was found in the Brooks' home, so Mary was arrested and charged with murder solely on the neighbor's testimony. (laughs) That neighbor's name? No, no. Wait, that neighbor's name? David Stewart. Yes, Mary's childhood sweetheart is the one who accused her of murdering her husband. What?
1: Was he married?
0: Like, did he marry? No, he wasn't married at the time. Why would he do that? Well, we'll get there, I think. What a turd. What a turd. (laughs) What a turd, you false murderer accuser. Judge Abner Pratt ordered Mary's trial to begin immediately and refused to give her attorney's time to prepare a defense. <laughs> the judge believed Mary was guilty and thought the trial was just a formality, so he wanted to get it over with quickly so he could just lock her up and throw away the key. Oh, the trial of Mary Brooks <laughs> <God>. The <laughs> trial of Mary Brooks began. <laughs> ours are hard for me. I don't know what's happening in my old age. The trial of Mary Brooks began on June 5th, 1856. This was a super big deal. Not only was it the first criminal trial in all of Eaton County, it was the first time a woman had been charged with murder in the state of Michigan. Stop. That's so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So many people attended the trial. They took out the courthouse windows and parked lumber wagons full of spectators <laughs> underneath them oh my God. so that people could see and hear what was going on inside. What?
1: The what trial a shit took, show.
0: Right. Exactly. I would have preferred the lumber wagon. Could you imagine being like <laughs> shoulder to shoulder in the 1800s in that nasty <laughs> little room? Ugh. Um The trial took just 2 days. The judge convicted Mary Brooks of murder. When she was allowed to speak after the verdict was rendered, she spoke of losing her daughter and said that she had not been in her right mind since. She said that she didn't recall poisoning her husband, but that if she did it, her depression was the reason and that she couldn't take responsibility for any of her actions as she was too stricken with grief to even know what was going on. So basically, look, my baby died. I'm fucked up. I don't know if I did this. Right. You're saying I did it. So, okay. Well, was basically And that was
1: kind of the mentality of women back then, right, too. Right, exactly. Like we the men told us what to think and yeah. how to feel. And that's what such a this is such a sad story for her.
0: Oh, it gets worse. Huh. So Mary Brooks, the first woman in Michigan to ever be convicted of murder, was sentenced to life at Jackson State Prison, where she was the first female inmate. Aww. After the trial, even the prosecuting attorney said that there had not been enough evidence to convict her of stealing the arsenic, let alone using it to poison and kill her Aww. husband. But it didn't matter. Um, are you ready for things to get real weird? No. No. Well, they're about to get real weird. Okay. Once in prison, Mary was often visited by David Stewart. Of course she was. What a dick. Her childhood sweetheart and the man that had accused her of murder and gotten her sent to prison. He visited her in prison for years, and then he led a charge and started a petition to have her pardoned for a crime he accused her of in The first place.
1: I hate him. Oh,
0: it gets worse. The two were somehow in love once again, (sighs) but Mary knew they wouldn't have a future together. So she encouraged David to marry someone else, which he did around 1860. So about four years after the trial.
1: He really stuck around and waited a while for her. He did
0: continue to visit her regularly in prison, though. And his new wife was apparently okay with this relationship. She's also weird. On February 12th, 1870, at the age of 32, Mary Brooks was pardoned after serving nearly 14 years for the murder of her husband. According to the local newspaper at the time, her pardon was owing partly to the dying confession alleged to have been made by another. So some complete rando on their deathbed confessed to the murder of Simeon Brooks, and this was only part of the reason that Mary Brooks was pardoned. So she wasn't exonerated. They just were right. like, okay, we're going to let you out. Because they, they, we might have fucked up real bad here. Might have. Might have. But we're not taking responsibility. Ugh, I hate this. She, it's such a good
1: story, but I'm like... It's upsetting. It's very
0: upsetting. I it. gets don't more like upsetting. Mm-hmm, I'm sure it does. She inherited a small fortune, and she built a home on her sister's land, right next door to the home of... David David Stewart, Stewart. and his new wife, Elizabeth. I hate him. Surprise, surprise! A few years after Mary Brooks was released from prison, David Stewart's wife died suddenly. Of an illness, of course. Did Mary call and say, I think David did it? No, she fucking should have, though. She should have. And her death was never investigated. So Mary and David got married in 1877 when she was 44 and he was 56, and they remained happily married until David's death in 1899. So the first woman ever convicted of murder in the state of Michigan Mm -hmm. didn't even kill anyone. (laughs) Isn't that some shit? That's some crazy shit. You know what I think? I think David killed everyone. I think he did, too. I think he killed her baby. I think he killed her husband. And then he did exactly what he planned to do and swooped in to be the hero trying to save her from prison. And then once she was finally free, he killed his own wife so they could get married.
1: What a lunatic. And got away with all of it. And you know what's so sad, too, is if she was the only woman in prison in the Jackson prison which who knows what it was like back then but now i mean it's a that's a huge prison can you imagine like she was probably raped daily
0: well no no she was you don't in her own so? wing Mm-mm. okay no she was the first woman in the women's section, so she okay. was by herself for a while, and then they started bringing little, other women. In. I don't so want to say wasn't that makes with the makes it better, but yeah, no, I mean it definitely makes it better. Yeah, she wasn't with the men; she was okay, um, the only woman. Um, That's she was the only woman in prison at first. Yeah, she was the first. So, yep.
1: I don't know. <laughs> I'm like still trying how, to wrap my head around this whole story that you just told. I don't know how long because it's it, so tragic, isn't it? It's awful. It really is. It's
0: sad. So that's just one of the really, really messed up things that has happened on the grounds of the Eaton County Courthouse. Explains why there might be some restless spirits hanging around, maybe? Maybe. To find out exactly what types of things are going on at the old courthouse, let's consult an expert.
1: Please welcome to the So Dead Lair, Julie Kimmer, director of the Courthouse Square Museum. Julie, thanks for joining us today.
0: Well, thank you for having me. So, Julie, we've been talking a little bit about the history of the courthouse, and we actually talked pretty in-depth about the Mary Brooks case, Um, Mm -hmm. and we've talked a bit about rumors that the old courthouse is haunted. What are your thoughts on that?
2: We've had a lot over—I've worked here 15 years, and we've had an awful lot of people um, have experiences in the building, Um, people who have worked here, people that have visited here— uh, we have, for the last several years, actually conducted a formal ghost hunt um, with Ooh. quite a bit of results from like three different groups have done them. Uh, most recently, Motor City Ghost Hunters have done them in the building and have had some um I, you know some of you got to do those for hours and sometimes you get more response than others but we have had some pretty significant response both in the courthouse and then we also own the adjacent property the sheriff's residence right. next door and we've had similar um experiences over there as well so um you know i i don't have a whole lot of personal experiences myself i guess i've had a few things happen i'm pretty but since since i spend evenings by myself a time or two in here I guess I'm, I'm <laughs> I kind of uh tend to write it off a little for my own personal
0: <laughs> for sure so I'll never forget the time that I came there for something and you had a little field mouse in your hands so you're not afraid of anything because <laughs> I would have been no I'm I'm kind you. of
2: yeah I'm kind of into exotics and <laughs> I've even we had a little um when I say exotics I mean animals and lizards and spiders and we we have had um we actually had uh, an incident where we felt someone was coming into the building and potentially, um, you know, trying to do harm or take something. And I hid out in the building overnight one night um, doing that. And, and part of the way through the night, I thought to myself, this is maybe one of the dumber things I've ever done <laughs> um, because I wasn't really sure what I'd do if I found them. I was kind of like, am I going to yell at them?
1: <laughs> so.
2: I guess maybe sometimes I might be braver than my own. Than than it's a good idea
1: for that. <laughs> right, right. Well, I was going to ask what the scariest thing that you personally have experienced in the courthouse.
2: Um, I, 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 the mo- probably the evening that sticks out the very most to me was I was in the building with just a couple of people. We were closing up after a large Christmas party, a, a company Christmas party. And um, as um, and I was the last person left as I'm leaving, I was downstairs just cl- tidying up and I heard what what I absolutely know to be a chair moving upstairs. Mm. And mm. I mean, the, the building, because of the shape and the design inside the building, it's, you you can't hear noise from floor to floor. And a chair makes a very distinctive noise on the wooden floor upstairs or on the tile floor. I, c- I can hear that, you know, and I, I mean, I t- tend to know the noises in the building. Um, so anyways, I, I was absolutely sure that was a chair. I mean, I knew that was a chair. I've heard that noise a million times. So I, I got a little nervous because I had already shut the entire upstairs down and I have um, motion detectors in the building because if we did have somebody come in and, and, you know, try to do harm, we we have ways of um, catching that. But the motion detectors weren't going off, but I, I know that chair noise. So it made me nervous enough to the point where, um, I called the police department and i went outside of the building and waited um for them to come and then they came in and i turned off the alarm system and then we walked we spent a good hour and a half walking through opening every closet door looking under all the you know every conceivable place we could find a person and never did find anything um so you know that was i i just know that noise i was so sure what that noise was and i just couldn't find an explanation for it and i i as well as the uh president of the board for a couple two or three times have left the building purposefully checked you know every room and then have come back and had a light on in this especially in the judge's chamber repeatedly and she that's happened to her and I both on the same evening when we've come back in the building to shut that light off even knowing we had turned it off in the first place I've had that light rewired I've had every bulb in it changed I've had the service to the light rewired (laughs) and it Mm. still occasionally does it. And so, um, I don't have a good explanation for that. Never really come up with. So I guess those are two, a couple of times that make me wonder anyway,
0: when I'm here. Yikes. So the courthouse, as you mentioned, it's been investigated by paranormal investigators on multiple Mm -hmm, occasions. mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit about some of the evidence that they've found?
2: Probably the, the strongest evidence that they have found is in that judge's particular judge's chamber. They use lots of different, um, you know, uh, well, as well as on the first floor, I should say. Um, they use lots of different methods, like most of the ghost hunters you'd even, you know, see on TV yes. with the lights and then, um, EVP and all kinds of other things. And they have the most, at least in the courthouse, the most activity, especially with words and, and, Even noises or recorded noises or what, you know, noises that sound like a whisper have been in the judge's chamber, which I guess kind of stands to reason because that would be a, certainly would be a place that somebody in this building would have struggled with, you know, struggled with the job they had. Um, They've also have, and I think it's on Motor City Ghost Hunters website, in fact, I'm sure it is, they they literally had a, um, like an orb that you could watch Mm -hmm. when people were down here kind of moved around in the first floor of the building and down a hallway. And I mean, we just tried everything with cars and vehicles driving by and flashlights and everything and could not make that again. And everybody that was here for that particular ghost hunt saw that. So, I mean, that was kind of, that was pretty fascinating really. Um, And, and then they've had some in the attic of the sheriff's residence. They've certainly had. um, Where the bat lives. um, Yeah. Where the bat lives (laughs) um, have had some, some experiences up there with some, You know some um, when I say EVP and other things up there as well. I've
0: actually never been up there. It's quite a creepy space. It looks Mm -hmm. like
2: if you had to envision where Cinderella lived, (laughs) it's it's what you would imagine Cinderella's attic space was like. It was where, when the sheriff's residence was used, the attic was where uh, women were incarcerated. So there's some individual rooms. It's had a fire, so it has some pretty significant damage that was that didn't get rebuilt afterwards. Yeah, um, up there, but it is it is definitely a
0: a spot, yeah, face? I made it up to the second floor um and there were mm-hmm. people ahead of me and they came running back down because the bat flew yeah. across the room and I went right out and out of that building and I've never been back inside. <laughs>
2: we know. call her Peppermint. She's a big Pe- bat. She's lived up there a long time. <laughs> I feel
0: like on our bus they named her Barbara that night for some reason. Oh, did I don't they? know why. I think- funny. I
2: don't know. The guy's over in the building called Peppermint. <laughs> Peppermint. That's cute. I yeah, like
0: Peppermint. It.
1: I don't know why. <laughs> so who do you think is haunting the courthouse?
2: Um, I guess if I had a... I, I think about... When I think about an old historic courthouse, I think about some of the the things that would have happened here. Um, I I do, I, I guess, in the judges' chamber kind of makes sense to me for the most part because I feel so much like it would have been a painful struggling job to be a judge in this, in this building or any judge, you know, any judge's position, you are faced mm-hmm. with just horrible life changing decisions, um, to make for another person. And that, that seems, um, overwhelming. And Absolutely. even when, I mean, you, yeah, yeah, And, and would have been, there was one instance of, um, a young man years ago who had a real difficult time grasping the decision that, um, needed to be or or grasping the mistake that he had made he he had a fairly limited capacity and so he he um he ended up murdering somebody that he knew in town had done that to another person and the judge had to sentence him even though he knew that you know this young man's intention was you know he turned out to be this young kid vigilante but he really didn't have the capacity to understand Mm. this was a number of Mm. years ago and that you know that would have been a very horrible, painful decision to make. I just think that, if, I guess if I had to think anybody strolling around inside here, it would have been sure. the lawmakers and the judges. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And then that would explain the um, bulk of the activity happening in the judges' chambers. Mm-hmm.
2: Right. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. So
0: so aside from the paranormal activity, um, you've got a lot that mm-hmm. goes on at the courthouse. Uh, it's a museum. Mm-hmm. It's got some really cool exhibits. When and how can mm-hmm. people visit the museum?
2: So we are open Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 9 to 4. And then we're open for all kinds of extra special activities. We have concerts um, on the lawn on Thursday nights throughout the summer. You know, the building's open at that time. We're open for numerous festivals, Frontier Days, Charlotte Celebrate, all kinds of extra activities. And then almost every other weekend, we either are hosting everything from a wedding shower to a baby shower to a uh, you know, to a private event, to a class reunion. Um, we're Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts. We're just happy to, you know, be kind of a community, act as a community center, and and um, host all kinds of people. But our regular um, business hours are Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday, nine to four.
0: Awesome.
1: And where can people find information on the special events? So we and- have
2: our our Facebook page is Eaton County's Museum at Courthouse Square. Or our um, website is C is in cat, S is in square, A is in apple museum dot net.
0: Awesome! What a cool space to have for those kind of things. I know that I was there one time and you had a um, a kids summer camp that was coming through mm-hmm. later that yep. day, and you do a yep, really cool Halloween event every year.
2: That's true. I forgot about that. So and, That's and most actually Jenna, <laughs> but yeah, Jen, has she's coming. She's bringing a group that um, that. um, um the 26th, I believe, of October yes. this year for the tour. And we we do. We've only done that a couple of years. We've had a couple of thousand people that come through for that. It's by donation. So we're. it's family-oriented. It is a little scary. So if your kid's, you know, four or five and really doesn't understand that um, all of this stuff is make-believe, it might be a little overwhelming for them. We do an activity a little earlier in the evening with really little children in the basement, all kids-friendly, you know, hug a ghost, play with some pumpkins, decorate a pumpkin, that kind of type thing on the first floor for a couple of hours. And then um, we start an evening activity from 8 to 10 upstairs. And then that's a, we haunt the entire 10,000 square feet of the courthouse with some, I think, fairly good decorations. They're really good. We <laughs> anyway, were there yeah, last yeah.
0: year one time and they were, I, I don't think you were 100% done, but I think you were like 90% done decorating for the event. And it was real cool. I liked it a lot.
2: Well, good, and we've purchased some new stuff this, for this awesome. coming year. So, you know, we've got about thirty people that um, donate their time. So, we have a lot of live animated or live characters, as well as all kinds of animated characters. So, it's really fun, and it's like I said, it's by donation. So, all the money just goes to help take care of the courthouse museum. So, it's you know, we have people that can give twenty, and we have people that can give two. So, it just it uh, you know, but we're glad to have everybody. Come awesome,
0: to. and all of that information is on your Facebook page. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Awesome. And on
2: our website, both.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and telling us a little bit about the museum and the things going on there. We appreciate it.
2: Well, thank you. And I, I really want to thank demented, demented Mittens, because Jenna's been very generous mm-hmm. with us. And, you know, all the money she gives obviously goes to take care of the museum as well. And, you know, it's it's a easy thing for us. It's fun to expose people to the building. And then she just does a great job of having the whole thing organized. And oh,
0: thank you. And, and people love it. Giving I us got some love financial it, so. support. Yeah. So we love yeah. It. yeah, absolutely.
1: It's a beautiful building. And the exhibits are amazing. Yeah, they're, they're so, so fascinating. Cool. And well,
0: thank you. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: Thank you for taking a few minutes to thank talk you. to us. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you guys so much for making us a part of your day. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at SoDeadPodcast.
1: You can also find us online at SoDeadPodcast.com. And email us your feedback and story ideas to SoDeadPodcast at gmail.com. Now get out there and shine. You magnificent what the fucks.